We're glad you're back for another Textonation interview. I'm Fred Fishkin, and joining me is the legendary technology writer and author Robin Raskin, founder of Last Gadget Standing and so much more, now founder of the Virtual Events Group. Hello and welcome, my friend. Thank you. Yes, we, we call it the Veg Group, Virtual Events Group, because most of it involves sitting in front of your screen and vegging out. <laughs> well, I'm so sorry for having you log on to Zoom again, especially in the morning. <laughs> have you kept count? <laughs> I, I have not kept count, but I have had so much fun. I am actually astounded by the creativity that I've seen in virtual events, in family events, in teaching events this year. I, I think, I know it won't last like this forever, but there will be parts of it that will stay with us forever. And the bar, remember in the beginning of the pandemic, you just were, am I on mute? Are you on mute? I mean, that was the conversation. The bar has become um, so high. Uh, the other night was my daughter's birthday and we had a uh, mystery night where we each acted out parts of a mystery that you bought to support Broadway, but it was so wonderful. It was really well done. We had a great time. That's, that sounds terrific. Well, first of all, Robin, I want to talk to you about uh, the amazing job that you and your team did with Last Gadget Standing at a virtual CES this year. That must have been such a challenge. Again, we sort of had so much fun riffing on the fact that we were apart. So I missed having judges and a formal process and missed the live audience because we used to do the last gadget standing by sound applause and we had no people there. So, so I, uh, Jen Jolly and I made a fun movie uh, where we actually just went all out primping for the last gadget um, virtual edition. So we tried on avatars and we tried on fake ears and we put on bubbles and we asked, you know, who our voice assistants to do things and they kind of misfired. So we had a good time making fun of the pandemic and also bringing in these contestants from all over the world at all hours and letting people see a slice of their window of life. You know, hi, I'm, I'm here in Israel. Hi, I'm here in the UK. Um, this is what my life is like now. And this is how hard it was to build a product this year. At the, but it, while all of these hurdles were, were there for you, I guess in some respects, there are advantages to this, bringing people in from all over the world, people who may not, you know, if it was in person, people from other countries wouldn't have been able to come anyway. But I mean, right. look, at, look at what you were able to do. So the numbers, so in, in the best years, that ballroom in the Las Vegas Convention Center only held 500 people. And we did stream it one year um, on Facebook Live, but this year we had 5,000 people watching it. And that was just live now it's it still lives on um so the reach was really amazing and um i have to say you know in terms of production values it was just as hard you you fred we worked on this where we had sound and audio checks and different equipment being plugged in it was it was equally challenging in a very different way worked with each company to make an exciting movie not an infomercial to tell their their story uh, to make it feel authentic and personal. And I think that's what we've learned during this pandemic is how to use screens, but still make contact. And companies really take the competition 
Seriously. I mean, this is a bit last gadget standing. Winning that is a big deal. It is a big deal. And this year, you know, the winner was Mojo Lens, um, which is the augmented reality contact lens that um, will still not be for sale for a while, but is well along. And so you will put it in your eye. Think about Google Glass that you put in your eyeball. Um, you can get the weather, you can get the stock market, you can navigate through AR, but it will also help sight impaired people by defining objects, um, augmenting light. So it's pretty exciting product with a lot of potential. And, and they won, but close behind them was Orcam, the reader that can read your screen, which again, in a pandemic year, when you were stuck with screens was such a wonderful product to um, bring screens uh, read to people with low vision. And putting this all together online, I suppose, is a perfect intro to what you're doing now, this new radical vegetarian organization. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we're, we're all about the vegetables. So um, I ran a company called Living in Digital Times and sold it to CES um, that, uh, in December of 2019, not knowing a pandemic was coming. Honest. I was just going to go on vacation and travel the world. Um, but then the pandemic hit and all of our old clients started to call me saying, what do we do? What do we do? How can, how can we move things to virtual? And I became obsessed with the power of virtual and went to a couple of early events. Um, uh, the Web Summit, for example, was a fabulous event. Um, and each week it seemed that these summits were getting better and better in terms of meetups, in terms of private meetings, in terms of learning things. And it also was a year where the arts and entertainment went totally online. So where else could you go to the Met Gala, you know, and, and the museum's fashion dinner? It was the opera. It was just amazing that you could enrich yourself so much. So I sort of, and then I started to do some research and I realized there were 150 platforms to host events on just that and so how's somebody going to go through all this and those are just platforms like Hopin, umbrella and zoom and uh blue jeans and they're not even comparable in some ways yeah and some some existed before but then, then again what an opportunity for startups yeah some existed before some were traditional live events companies that pivoted some put a bunch of tools together some focused on just uh, trade show floors, for example, some focused on just ticket sales, just fundraisers. So it became this whole industry was just nation and growing really quickly. So I said, let's see if we can um, create a taxonomy that made it easy for people to navigate. So if you go to the virtualeventsgroup.org site, you see 150 platform reviews, which will momentarily be searchable by uh, taxonomy that we've created, whether it's a, good for webinars, good for trade shows, good for networking, we've assigned rankings and ratings, tools that we've put into buckets so that if you're looking for a, a fundraising tool, you can find it. But the most interesting thing we heard from people was just give us talent. We want to know who can do this for us. So we started a whole thing called talent and production, which is just companies that were in the TV business or in the events, shoot, the audio business, 
who are now doing amazing things in the virtual space. And then we even have things like mixologists, magicians. Um, it's gotten to be an ecosystem that is so vast. So we have all these assets on the website. We have a monthly veg meetup where we invite speakers to talk, talk about how they pivoted their lives and what will stick and what won't because everybody is now deciding what's gonna happen next year. When you go back in person, I don't think I have to tell you travel budgets, corporate budgets have been cut. If you sent, if you, let's just say if you were Amazon and you sent a hundred people to CES in 2019, in 2022, I'm guessing it's gonna be more like 10 to 20 people. So you're gonna see events kind of right size and adopt virtual components to as another um, revenue stream and another way for exhibitors to show off. So I think we have so many, you remember the days when you were a writer and then all of a sudden you had to be the audio person too. And then you had to file your story on video and the mediums just kept growing. And I think that's what's happening with the events business. You will never have just a physical event again. There will always be a virtual component. Really? So you think this is going to be I don't know if we can say permanent, but very long lasting, the, the, the impact. Yeah. So let's say you and me, let's say I went to 25 events before the pandemic. I will probably go to the five I really care about after this is over and do the others virtually because the cost, my time, all of, but I can learn so much by dropping into a, you know, financial events or an HR event or a 3D event. I can up my skills without the tremendous um, effort of, of travel. And, and I think that is going to really help people. And I think it's going to help online learning. You know, you're going to get, you know, we've seen a move to credentialed learning and badge learning. And I got to pick up, even event planners are going to, reskill themselves now by taking virtual events courses. It's kind of extraordinary. There's a number of places that will credential you. Um, think about all the events planners that were, found themselves out of work. And there's some really heartwarming stories. I think you know Jim Louderback at VidCon. And Jim said to his staff, I can either lay you off or I can reskill you. And we move from our physical event to doing an online event daily. And he did. And so he kept all his staff intact and moved and grew at the same time. So uh, I love stories like that. We have the Toy Association speaking at our next meeting and they decided to have buyer's days to help their, their members. So Amazon would come in or Walmart would come in and they would bring the toy vendors to them virtually and continue to do business. So these stories of kind of even though we don't have a toy fair in New York. Right, this, this right, year, right, which would have been this week. But business is still going on. And, um, I, you know, Sundance had more people participate in the film festival than ever before. So I'm, I'm optimistic. And I think it is also somewhat egalitarian in that people who could never go to these closed things before can now enjoy them. Um, so, so I'm pretty excited about virtual events being here to actually stay forever. Um, 
not just as not necessarily as the primary thing you do, but always a component of what you do. And you're seeing it, look at like Marriott hotels, they're putting production centers at the conference centers now. So every conference center is building a TV production studio where um, you'll be able to have virtual and um, I call it IRL in real life, URL and MRL, mixed reality life, which is what I think we're heading towards. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think where we would be if we didn't have this technology today when it comes to education, work, and, and even healthcare. Yeah, just like you're right, telemedicine, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just like ZocDoc or Teladoc. It, everybody was a telemedicine doctor. Every hospital was a telemedicine. So you saw technology accelerate, whether it was learning or health, retail. You know, we talked about contactless shopping taking a while to happen. It's now happened. Very few, during the pandemic, people urged you not to use cash, urged you to use contactless shopping. And those habits are not going to change. You know what they say, it takes 30 days to change a habit. We've changed those. (laughs) Really on a dime. I mean, schools, et cetera, had to to change as did many workplaces, like immediately. So what about the issues, Robin, of bandwidth and making sure that everybody, I mean, you're talking about, I, so many households, you need to have a little studio at home. Kids are going to school that way. Mom and dad are working that way. Um, yeah, it's it's one of the the um, equal access issue is an inclusion. We now see it magnified, and we see how bad we were at it. And you watch schools. I, I saw families with like three and four kids at home with the one computer trying to keep their kids online. So, I, and I think um, this administration. I'm very. I know they value the importance of high-speed bandwidth all over the country. And I think that the carriers have stepped up their efforts, the Verizons, the AT&Ts, to kind of help get every area the access they need. Um, 5G is getting to more and more places. You're seeing Chromebook-type tablets for $50 now. And so I'm really encouraged that this has become a priority for everybody and, um, and everybody has the will to make it happen. We're caught by surprise, kind of like with our pants down, you know, like, whoa, what's going on? And now we recognize in the same way we, we recognize, I think every kid is going to be so thankful to be back in school and, you know, like, like they recognize what we had and we're going to, again, figure out how to mix those realities. There are going to things you're going to do, do offline now forever, you know, and things you're going to do online and classes will come together and go apart and it will blend. And, you, you know, these kids, if you've watched them during the pandemic, where did they hang out? Roblox, um, Fortnite, the metaverse, you know, having events. They actually went to school in, in communities like Discord, playing games and chatting. So their um, line between real and online, it's just not gonna matter as much. 
Right. The, they, the kids certainly adapt to everything. I mean, they were there to a great extent already living their lives on their devices and, and online. So congratulations once again on, on, a, on another successful pivot for you. It's, no, it's, I what, whatever's next, it seems like Robin's there. You know, I, I hope so. I, I, you know, but the thread that goes through it is, I think, um, a belief that innovation is good for us. Um, that everybody should be the recipient of it. And that um, if we all work together at it, it's so much easier than figuring it out by yourself. <laughs> so let's hope so. Thanks for having me, friend. The site once again, Robin, for people to go for more info? Um, virtualeventsgroup.org. Love to have you there. Comment. Um, you, you can put my email up, robin at robinraskin.com. Anybody who has a question wants to join in the fun. And I hope to see you at our next veg meeting. I've, I've uh, signed up. Robin Roskin, thank you so much for taking the time with us. Always good to see you, whatever screen it's on. Bye. Now this. It takes a lot of listening to build a better radio. And that's just what the folks at Sea Crane have done. Bob Crane and his crew, nestled among the rivers and tallest trees in the world in Fortuna, California, have made a habit of listening to their customers. And that's just what they've done in building the CC Skywave SSB, the Swiss Army knife of portable radios. For everyday listening to AM or FM in the yard or patio or on the nightstand, without having to drain a mobile phone battery, it's a great companion. But it is also a companion equipped for NOAA weather information and alerts that can be life-saving. You can listen to FEMA and Coast Guard transmissions, too. Beyond all of that, you can tune into shortwave signals from around the world. It's compact, easy to take with you, and built to last. The CC SkyWave SSB. Click on the link at textonation.com.